I'm Alex James, broadcaster and presenter. And ten years ago, I had a front row seat for one of the biggest musical success stories of all time. Simon kind of called me and he was like, just trust me, come meet the contestants. We've got a special group. A whole decade has now passed since five boys entered the X Factor audition rooms. Uh, you know, every generation sort of needs their own boy bands and... Uh... And, and, and that was the right time for them to come up and sort of claim to be the, uh, the definitive boy band of their moment. These boys would become One Direction, and One Direction would quickly become the biggest band in the world. It's the sheer volume of the crowd when the music stops and the lights lower before they come on is deafening, but in the best way. The creation of 1D sparked a reaction unlike anything that's come before. And during my time on air, I interviewed the group many, many times. So now, 10 years on from the summer in which One Direction were formed, I wanted to celebrate the story of their incredible success. And it's here for you to celebrate with me. But their story and their success was very much a partnership with the fans and I think all everything that they were doing at that time, it was kind of presented in a way that it was in tandem with the fans to feel like a kind of, you know, it was a shared success and a, a shared experience. This is 10 years of One Direction. OK, before any introductions then, I want to take a trip down memory lane where none of the madness of 2020 really matters. So we're going to go back 10 years when the only thing we had to worry about was the Icelandic volcanic ash cloud. Apple launched their very first iPad and Robbie Williams rejoined Take That for a bit anyway. So it's the summer of 2010. Katy Perry owning the charts around the world with California Girls in June. Muse and Gorillas were headlining Glastonbury and Spain won the World Cup in South Africa. Elsewhere, whilst the world went about its daily business, behind closed doors, five young lads were beginning a musical journey that wouldn't just change their lives, it would change the lives of millions around the world and change the face of pop music forever. Those young lads were, of course, Harry Styles, Liam Payne, Zayn Malik, Niall Horan and Louis Tomlinson. I'm Alex, and during my time as a radio presenter, I've been lucky enough to interview One Direction many, many times. In fact, I've been lucky enough to interview lots of big pop stars. But uh, with the creation of 1D, I experienced something really special and really quite unique, and it gave me a front-row seat for how this group rose from the X Factor audition rooms to become the biggest band in the entire world. And now, 10 years on from that summer in which One Direction were formed, I wanted to celebrate their incredible success, and it's here for you to celebrate with me. So over the start of 2020, I've caught up with loads of different people who are going to share their memories from such a special time. These are people who work closely with the group, journalists and reporters who remember the magic of 1D in those early days, plus the fans, of course, the fans, lots and lots of fans. We love them so much, each of them, and it's just amazing to see that they're still thinking about each other too. We have different cultures, but when it comes to supporting this band, I think, I don't know, it's universal, I guess, because... I get to talk to people who understand, like a group of people who understand how I feel, and then they wouldn't judge me for it in a way. I think Zayn was the first man that broke my heart. He was the first man that broke my heart. Like, when he left, I was completely heartbroken. You can find all my old One Direction interviews on YouTube. And the first time I interviewed the band in 2011, it pretty much set the precedent for every interview from that point. It was silly. It was daft. It was fun. Sometimes it was a bit unruly, but... It was always unforgettable. 
This series is going to relive the group's rise to fame, how they conquered the charts, both here in the UK and America. You'll hear from the Directioners, who pledged their allegiance to the 1D Army. You'll find out more about how One Direction's power extended beyond music and the legacy of memories that they left behind before they started their inevitable indefinite break in 2016. So the conception point for this whole story is, of course, the X Factor. And it was on a roll at that point, uh, discovering new talent and then that talent finding success. And back in 2006, Leona Lewis uh, proved that you could capture the nation's hearts and ultimately land a US number one. 2008 X Factor will always be remembered for that duet on the final, Alexandra Burke and Beyonce, of course. Uh, but 2008 X Factor also gave us something else, and that was a boy band. And quite a decent boy band to boot. So JLS, they were the runners-up. Uh, but they proved that with the steady rise of social media, a fan base could be grown during the live shows. And, you know, they became a bit of a blueprint for what came next. So we're on to X Factor 2010. Everything Changed. The show was no longer this overblown karaoke show that dominated Saturday night primetime. It was becoming a way of life, and the press were falling over themselves to cover every part of the show. You knew it was going to be good when even the judging lineup made headline news, and the public was lapping all this up, of course. And something else was happening uh, beyond the audition rooms and onto the boot camp arena stage. Five young lads trying their absolute hardest to make it to judges' houses. Our boys then. Harry, choosing Stevie Wonder, rose to the audition challenge like a freshly baked loaf of bread in the Holmes Chapel bakery he was working at at the time. Liam, back for a second shot after coming so close two years earlier, and with nerves of steel taking on Michael Bublé and sending the crowd wild. Niall, such confidence and talent at just 16, with his floppy blonde hair dividing the judges. But when you're given a blessing from Katy Perry as a guest judge, you might as well be blessed by an angel. Zane, he'd been boxing from the age of 15, and he pulled off a knockout audition. His shyness melting the ways he took on Mario's Let Me Love You. And Louis, of course, a Donny lad who'd already played Danny Zuko in Greece. And his X-Factor crowd, well, they got chills. They were multiplying. But for the boys, boot camp was tough. And one of the moments that sticks in my mind is when that year's X-Factor contestants were given a dance challenge. And this didn't turn out well for Zane. It was clear he was out of his comfort zone, ready to jack it all in. But Cal gave him a pep talk. And I watched that clip back sometimes, and you've got to give it to Zane. He wasn't happy, and he knew that wasn't his thing. And let's be honest, dancing was never a thing for One Direction. But that didn't really matter. And this is where the classic move came into play. It's not new to manufacture musical groups. It's been going on for years. Sometimes it really works. Take that, Girls Aloud. And here on the seventh season of The X Factor, it was happening to Harry, Louis, Zane, Liam and Niall. And if you were already a fan of the boys performing as solo artists, you would have been devastated to see them go. So here it was, the lifeline that gave life to One Direction. And when the X Factor live shows finally came around, One Direction might have been a bit rough around the edges, but their star was rising. Here's Direction of Margaret. She's from Australia and she believes that there was a magical formula immediately. And so I think like to have a group of five equally talented and honestly equally good looking guys, you're bound to become something. Then even after that, they just kept growing and it's because they never changed really. Like they were always still the same five people who started out and all the fans could see that. And that's obviously why we continue to support them. Savan Katechia is a songwriter and was brought on to the X Factor that year to be a vocal coach. Simon kind of called me and was like, would you please come and do this show? I want to sort of get some relevant pop people doing it. And I just remember, I think it was a year I had like two number ones in England and a big hit with Usher. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. 
for, it's going to be like three months of my life. And he was like, just trust me, come meet the contestants. We've got a special group. Um, and I had been around sort of some of the audition phases a little bit. And so I hadn't met them all at once. Um, and he was like, just spend one day. I'm going to bring every contestant in. Like you get to spend like, you know, 30 minutes with each, with each contestant that we're going to take to the next round. And I did that, you know, and I met, you know, a lot of great people. It was that girl band. It was Matt Cardle and, you know, Sherry Lloyd walked in and I was like, oh, wow, there's something here. She's definitely a star. And then the boys walked in and I remember exactly when they walked in because what, what I noticed was when they walked in, a lot of the, a lot of the crew kind of gravitated to the room as well, which they didn't do for anyone else. Um, and the boys were just so hyper and bouncing off the walls. And, you know, Niall was talking about like some Westlife songs I did in the past. And like, there it was, it was just like, they, I just remember it being them being so much fun. Um, and just the fact that you notice that the rest of the crew and staff like sort of gravitated to the room and were sort of in the corner watching them. And you realize there's definitely, there's something there. Um, and I actually sent an email, which I still have, to Sonny Tucker. He, he was running Psycho at the time. And I said, that boy band is incredible. Um, and he was like, which boy band? And I go, One Direction. He was like, oh, yeah. Um, but there was definitely something special about them from from that moment I, I met them. It was early days for One Direction, thrown together by the judges, thrust onto the X Factor stage as a brand new group and frantically trying to find their feet. Savan recalls the first few weeks of the boys working together. I remember, I remember them, yeah, I remember them just having so much fun together, you know? Um, and it's funny how their personalities evolved because I remember at the beginning, like Liam, for example, was the quiet one in the corner reading a book. You know, and after a few years, he became a lot more outgoing and, you know, um, and I remember Zane being a little bit more outgoing. And then after a few years was a little bit more introverted, you know, so I think um, I, I, I remember them being really close right away. If I'm remembering everything correctly, you know, I, I remember them all just getting along and having a laugh. You know, they were pranksters and they were, you know, causing trouble <laughs> all the time in a, in a funny way, you know. Um, and everyone just loved them. I just remember the staff and everyone just gravitated to wherever they were. Everyone wanted to be around them. It was so important for One Direction to form an identity. Coming together behind closed doors would have provided a safe space to discover each other's roles in the group. And whose talent lied where, but that wasn't a luxury afforded to a new group playing out their evolution on the UK's biggest TV show. And this must have been really tough. The X Factor isn't just a talent contest. It's a personality contest as well. The brightest stand out. It's hardcore. But if you don't shine on all fronts, then it's a tough game to be part of. You've got a limited amount of time to properly make your mark. Natalie Jameson is an entertainment reporter and music journalist, and she was often backstage at the X Factor in 2010, covering the weekly events and meeting the contestants. The first time I came into contact with 1D was at their very creation, really, when they were on X Factor back in 2010. And it was really interesting because even from the start, they were 
obviously part of the groups they'd been put together and Simon Cowell was their mentor and each year on X Factor they would arrange for journalists to come in and interview all the groups as the show was taking place which sounds quite glamorous but in fact it always took place in the canteen of the old ITV building and you'd kind of be shuttled around each of the artists and you'd just get uh, sort of 10 minutes to chat to them and try and get a sense of how they were coping with the performances and just being on the show really being in that huge intense spotlight And the one thing that's always stuck in my head about meeting One Direction for the first time was that they had been schooled really early on in how to present themselves and how to, if you like, make themselves as popular as possible. Because I'd already done a few interviews with some of the other people on X Factor who were perfectly pleasant, all nice interviews. And then you came to One Direction and it was already different From the very beginning, they would introduce themselves to you, shake your hand, make sure they got your name, understand who you were, where you were from, before you even asked your first question. So automatically, as a journalist, it may sound strange, but that doesn't always happen. So automatically, you're on their side. They've been incredibly polite, shook your hand, said hi, told you who they are shown an interest in you as a journalist and it is a charm offensive if you like but it absolutely works it's pretty clear that the charm offensive was in full play from the start one direction were going well in exactly the right direction eleanor is one of the group's biggest fans she's from paris and remembers the first time she ever saw the boys it was halfway through the x factor live shows well i i discovered them uh, around october 2010 for the Halloween, um, you know, Halloween episode of X Factor. And I saw them on the TV and I was like, whoa, who are they? <laughs> so I searched on YouTube and found all their video diaries. And I, I literally fell in love with all of them because they were so funny and entertaining. So, yeah, since 10 years now, I'm a big fan of them. Just one of the many fan memories that are never going to be forgotten. There's plenty more of those on the way. So with Cal, their biggest cheerleader, One Direction rattled through their performances every week, confidence growing, finding their niche, and more than anything, those winning personalities. And the nation was slowly but surely falling for them. Some of the live songs were a bit questionable, total eclipse of the heart perhaps, but then again, some were quite inspired. Their version of Kids in America was probably the moment that the final piece of this X Factor creation finally fell into place. And if you watch that performance back, they're assured and in control. And above all else, they're having fun. Savan Katecha, the show's vocal coach that year, recalls the atmosphere inside the X Factor bubble. It's like a fun summer camp almost, you know. Um, you know, when people ask me about looking back on my career, which now has been like 20 years, I'm getting old. I always, I always count those few months as some of the funnest in my career. Um, probably some of the funnest months of my life. The staff, the crew, everyone's amazing. There was also a pressure because it was so big that year. Um, and the acceleration of fame for a lot of these folks. I mean, I'd, I'd never been around like zero to 100 before. You know what I mean? I, before I would get, you know, I'd work with people that are either fairly new and had a fan base already or already big stars. I'd never been a part of literally ground up. And then by the end of the three months, you're, if they're like the most famous people in the world. Um, and I think, you know, it was an adjustment. I would imagine, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but I imagine it was adjustment for not only them, but their families and stuff. Um, Cause you know, in the beginning, the crowds were like, you know, two people waiting outside rehearsal space to 10 people 
50 people to 100 people. Then they had to shut down the street, you know, in Covent Garden where, you know, it, was, it became like just this wild thing. And yeah, it's a bit it is a bubble for sure. And I think that sort of helps everyone get through the process because there's friendships formed and bonds formed, not just again amongst the contestants, but with the crew who was amazing with the record label that's around and they were amazing. And um, I still have lifelong friends from those three months, you know, um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was a very unique experience for sure. I don't, I guess I'm in mean, summer camp is probably the best <laughs> I can describe it. This is part of the winning formula. What makes them work and what makes the fans tick. It's fun. This is when One Direction are at their best when they're having fun. Lizette is a directioner from California and properly fell in love with the fun. Um, this sounds cliche and like arrogant, but like they weren't like other boy bands. Like they weren't over rehearsed. They didn't dance at all. So if anything, they just rehearsed like where they should stand, I guess. Um, and like they were even like ironic in their boy band hood and they would choreograph their own like silly dances that were nowhere near as like advanced as other boy bands like NSYNC have had and it's hilarious. Yeah, it just shows that like if you're talented and charming and like nice enough to your fans, you don't need to be overproduced and you don't need to be super polished and do all the fancy dance moves and stuff. If you can do that, great. Like if you're like as talented, like if you're like BTS, that's something they're extremely talented at, but I didn't need that from One Direction and I thought it even made it more enjoyable that they kind of poked fun at that. So back on the show, this was turning into X Factor's defining year. Simon Cowell on fine form, Cheryl had risen to national treasure status and with a strong stable of talent heading for the final weeks, the nation was turning on in their millions. Colin Patterson is the BBC's entertainment correspondent and was covering all the X Factor action that year. The other thing that's important about 2010 in X Factor history it was the peak ratings-wise. 14 million people tuned in to see that final. It just had the zeitgeist at that time. It had been building year on year, producing bigger and bigger stars each year. And there was a lot of talent this year. And you think, when you think that Cher Lloyd came fourth and went on to have two US top 20 albums, that is quite staggering. Rebecca Ferguson, who was second, went on to have four UK top 10 albums. The First Heaven, actually a pretty classy affair. I remember reviewing it at the time and thinking, this is pretty good. So it all came down to that final night. Not once had One Direction ended up in the bottom two, and by the time the final did roll around, with the buzz growing online and the crowds of screaming girls had to support them on their home visits, there was a genuine feeling that maybe, just maybe, a group could actually finally win this thing. Colin Patterson remembers being at the final that night. I can remember it was a cold day in December 2010. In those days, the X Factor was such a big deal. The BBC would send news trucks outside Fountain Studios at Wembley. I was there with my pack ready to report. I stuck my mic through the fence and interviewed Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays, who was there that night. He'd just come second in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So he was there as it was another ITV show. But Sean Ryder would bother turning up to watch the X Factor final in those days. When I spoke to him live in the BBC, he, of course, managed to swear. I think he was swearing at how shocked he was One Direction hadn't won. The thing is, 
I don't think Simon Cowell even wanted One Direction to win because he had seen that often the person that would go on or the act that would go on and have the long career from The X Factor was not the winner. It was your JLS, it was your Ollie Murs. Often the runner-up did better. Fifth Harmony in the States didn't win it. They were the ones with the sustained career. Also Jennifer Hudson, she came 10th in America. Never won it. Went on to win an Oscar. Alas, it would be another year before Little Mix would take the title of first group to win the show. And despite finishing third behind Rebecca Ferguson and Matt Cardle, undoubtedly the story of this series was, quite simply, One Direction. The respect the boys continue to show for where they come from has never wavered. And during most of my interviews with them, they always had fond memories of all the amazing people that they'd met and how much respect they had for the show. I guess the bottom line is this. Without the X Factor, there would be no One Direction. But it's one thing having the moral victory on the UK's biggest TV show. It's another trying to prove yourself when the cameras stop rolling. On the next episode of 10 Years of One Direction, making the music, how to make a hit. You know, the song I'm most proud of, you know, is the first one, is What Makes You Beautiful. And turning the UK's biggest boy band into the world's biggest boy band. Uh, you know, every generation sort of needs their own boy bands, and, uh, and, and that was the right time for them to come up and sort of claim to be the, uh, the definitive boy band of their moment. If you get the chance to subscribe and leave a rating, that would be amazing. And if you want to share your One Direction memories from 10 years ago or from 10 minutes ago, I'm on social media. At This is Alex James.